0: and I am solo podcasting for the first time so uh, this will be a new experience for everyone involved meaning me and you and so hopefully this goes well I've done some preparation today for today's subject which is uh, astronomy I guess we could call it uh, I've got a whole basics of uh, science series so this one's I guess basics of astronomy we've done um, a kind of astronomy based podcast in the past with 10 interesting things about space if you want to go back and listen to that that was that's more um, let's call it eclectic this one's more just the uh, set some of the basics a few of the uh, interesting facts about um, our galaxy and uh, some of the things you might learn in a beginning astronomy class so let's uh, let's start with the Sun Um, our Sun is about average sized uh, and about middle-aged, so nothing particularly extraordinary about our sun, uh, except that it's ours. Uh, it is classified as a yellow dwarf. Uh, it is on the large side of a yellow dwarf star, so like I said, more, more average size than what a dwarf would lead you to believe. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 4.3 billion years old, uh, as far as uh, suns go, that or stars go. Uh, that's uh, About middle age, it'll probably last, um, scientists believe, somewhere around another 7 billion years, so we're not uh, in any danger at this moment. Um, At 7 uh, billion years old, it'll go, uh, sorry, after another 7 billion years, it'll go uh, to a red giant, uh, which means it'll expand in size significantly, uh, and then eventually end up as a white dwarf, uh, which means it'll expand. Shrinks substantially and, and kind of burn out slowly over the course of another billion, uh, multiple billions of years. Um, yeah, so if you're familiar with stars and how stars usually die, uh, some large stars die as a supernova. Our sun will not go that route. It's not big enough. You have to be a very large star to uh, to go supernova. Uh, but in case you were confused about sizes of stars and uncertain about uh how big the the Sun actually is. Let's put it into perspective. Um, the radius of the Sun, and so if they're familiar with the radius, that's from the center to, to the outside of the star, um, is 864,938 miles, give or take. Um, so that, and then for those outside of the United States, convert that to kilometers like that that's a better measurement but uh, look I'm, I'm American I have to deal with what I've got to deal with so uh, a perspective for the for that large number which is kind of hard to conceptualize essentially that the diameter of the Sun is a hundred and nine earths so you could uh, stack 109 earths next to each other across the the diameter of the Sun so it's incredibly large from the perspective of what uh, of what we're used to like I said not uh, not big in uh, stellar perspective of, uh, uh, But as far as what we're we deal with on a day-to-day It's incredibly large. Uh, there are uh, one of the large stars that uh, you may have heard of before Betelgeuse is uh, 700 times bigger than the Sun so <laughs> That's uh, obviously super massive uh, and that one, Betelgeuse, which uh, you can see in the night sky, uh, will probably go supernova soonish. Uh, and once again, um, soonish in the uh, galactic perspective, and the uh, you know probably sometime in the next couple hundred thousand years. Uh, astronomers have started seeing some dimming in that star. They're not sure when exactly that's going to go supernova, but uh, you know, sometime, probably not in your lifetime or mine. Um, all right, so that's a little bit about our Sun um, let's talk a little bit about the Earth now so we are as uh, we know colloquially the third rock from the Sun I mean there are two other planets uh, closer to the Sun and uh, those are Mercury and Venus we are the only planet uh, with that we know of and certainly the only planet in the uh, uh, in our solar system with uh, liquid water uh, which is pretty important, you know, for life. So uh, pretty uh, astounding planet we have that we live on. So let's be grateful for that. Uh, there are eight planets in our solar system. So I, I already mentioned Mercury and Venus. Uh, those are, are rocky planets, just like ours. Mars, also a, a rock planet. Um, and then we have the gas, uh, the gaseous giants, which are um, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, um and those which is uh, i took an astronomy class in in college i've done astronomy kind of some small amount of astronomy throughout my life i'm generally interested in the subject but um i wasn't even sure i'd forgotten that uh, so when you think gaseous giant these planets are super massive most of them are gas Uh, they do have a rocky core though and that's what i had forgotten so there's um there's rock in there they aren't just a bunch of gas like uh, Say the Sun Um, all right let's see here Uh, as far as the size of planets so Pluto I'm sure (laughs) you're familiar with the controversy over Pluto as to whether or not this may uh, whether or not it's a planet Um, people my age uh, in their 30s um, growing up learned that there were nine planets uh, then it went back and forth for a while as uh, there was some debate as to whether or not it should be classified as a planet uh in case it's unclear currently not classified as a planet i don't think they're going to go back at this point uh it is classified as a dwarf uh planet um and the fa- the matter of fact is that it's just it's small it's uh, about 19 percent of the size of earth um it's really distant obviously we we already knew that but th- there are at least two other objects dwarf planets that have been discovered that are of similar size to Pluto so unless you want to say that there are probably 11 planets then there's probably not nine there's just eight um, and uh, besides that there are a couple moons that are bigger than Pluto is so uh, you know Pluto doesn't rank particularly high on the uh, important scale in our uh, solar system maybe in your childhood you know Pluto was you had a soft spot for Pluto but um, sorry um, yeah, so two other and two other moons that are bigger than Pluto. In case, oh, sorry, two other moons that are even bigger than Mercury. There, there are actually even more moons that are bigger than um, Pluto. But two, there are two moons that are bigger than Mercury. Um, there's Ganymede, which is a Jupiter moon, and Titan, which is a moon of Saturn. Those are both even bigger than Mercury. Mercury obviously gets the planet status because it's a, uh, closer to the sun, uh, and it's it's a higher, bigger percentage of the Earth's size as well. Um, largest planet is Jupiter, um, every planet except uh, uh, Mercury and Venus have at least one moon um, and obviously in the case of Jupiter, Saturn uh, multiple moons and uh, actually a lot, a lot of the, uh, the gas giants have a big, uh, have multiple multiple moons. Um, let's see. Alright let's talk a little bit about speed. Um, so the earth Uh, lots of movement going on we don't obviously feel it Uh, effects of gravity and atmosphere protect us from all that kind of stuff but there are spins on its axis at about a thousand miles an hour so that's uh, we're spinning like a top as we obviously see the effects of every day (laughs) Um, but it's also traveling around the Sun which once again we know as we change seasons uh, at around 67 thousand miles per se- per hour or 30 kilometers per second so once again pretty good clip here we're, we're um, imagine the size of the Sun which we already discussed um, and then the orbit of Earth around the Sun which is obviously very we're quite a ways away from the Sun otherwise we'd all be dead or we wouldn't even exist because there would be no uh, atmosphere um, so in order to make that trip around the sun in a year uh, then obviously we, we uh, need to make some pretty good speed um the sun travels through space also though and this is something i think i learned in in my college class for the first time at least consciously maybe i had uh, been told that before but um it isn't just us spinning and they're uh, the spinning and, and then also traveling around the sun our gal uh, our um Solar system is also moving. Um, additionally, our galaxy uh, is moving, but the Earth. So essentially, the, the, they've the scientists have discovered or figured out that the uh, the um, the sun is traveling through space at approximately 448,000 miles per hour, or 200 kilometers per second. So we are really whipping through uh, the vastness of space at quite quite a speed. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of movement going on out there. Obviously, not a lot of resistance in space. Not a lot of, um, so we don't uh, see the effects of that. Uh, and space being incredibly vast, uh, we don't like I said we don't see the, those distances um, changing. But um, yeah, the, lots lots of movement going on um, as far as the sun goes and our place in the. In the galaxy, there are different arms, so we're in the Milky Way galaxy, which I believe most of us knew from uh, grade school. Um, the Milky Way galaxy has multiple, what we call arms, essentially uh, clusters of stars that extend away from the center of, uh, of the galaxy. Uh, and we are in, and they've been named throughout the years, are, we are in the Orion arm. Um, and in the Orion arm, we're about a third of the distance out from the center. So the whole distance of that arm um, measured, you can, we're about a third away from the center of the galaxy. Um, so obviously on the outside of the galaxy, things are even whipping around faster. Um, the center of the galaxy. Now this is fun. So uh, if you are from, you know familiar at all with the night sky, which obviously if listening to an astronomy podcast, I'd imagine that you have some interest in the night sky. Um, maybe you know your constellations. Uh, if you've looked out before at the night sky, You've got um, you've got Sagittarius, which is one of the uh, recognizable constellations. It looks kind of like a teapot. That's what I always think of. Um, And uh, if you look above the 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 spout of that teapot, uh, that is you're you're then looking towards the center of the galaxy. Um, Now, uh, at the center of our galaxy, there is a supermassive black hole. it is 14.6 million miles in diameter, that black hole is. So uh, once again, <laughs> that is incredibly large. Once again, I have to put it into perspective, our sun, as we already talked about, the radius of our sun is 864,000 miles uh, in ra- uh, radius, so 14.6 million miles in diameter for that black hole. It's uh, so super massive, um, but it is, Let's see, 26,000 light years away from us. So we're not in any imminent danger of, from the supermassive black hole, um, even if it were to eat the universe. Which, as I was reading up about it, doesn't—not the universe, <laughs> the uh, the galaxy, which uh, this m- moment doesn't appear to be doing much of that. Um, uh, even then, the distance uh, away from us is—it makes it—it's irrelevant unless you're going to live for trillions of years, which. Um, not uh, not something we have to worry about but uh, so that's a little bit about the galaxy like I said we have got um, all the stars in our night sky all, at least all the ones that deal with um, uh, with constellations all the bright stars in our night sky let's say uh, those are all in our galaxy that you can now there are things not in our galaxy that you can see with your naked eye some nebula um, some things outside the, the galaxy obviously you can also, also visible with either binoculars or a pretty easy a telescope, a pretty simple telescope, uh, but as far as just looking up at night sky and, and spotting constellations, those bright stars are stars that are close to us, obviously, and so those are ones that are inside of our galaxy. Um, now, thinking a little bit about the, uh, the vastness of space, and talking a little bit about obviously the speeds that we're, we travel through space, the size of these uh, these objects in space, uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, distances between objects in space. So first, let's talk a little bit about the closest star. Um, this is uh, so there's an Alpha Centauri system that's approximately four point three light years away, and that star system has three stars. There's uh, star A and B so uh, Alpha alpha Centauri stars A and B and then Proxima Centauri Proxima Centauri is a little bit further away still part of that system but um, Proxima Centauri Proxima obviously meaning close so that's that is the closest star to Earth I think just under four point around 4.2 light years 4.2 light years now in previous podcasts we've talked a little bit about the speed of light Uh, light is a constant uh, light and the speed of light in a vacuum is constant right see Um, and it's incredibly fast Um, we're talking 186,282 miles per second or 299,792 kilometers per second once again that's the speed of light in a vacuum so I mean, it's inconceivably fast, right? And so, if you're talking about 4.2 years for l- light—that—that that is the speed limit of the universe—to travel uh, from our our star to the closest star, that's um, it's mind-blowing, right? The, the distance of us to the closest star is um, well, it's it's. Uh, more than can really be conceptualized, unless you, uh, I guess, deal frequently in, in galactic terms. Um, so uh, let's, uh, now that we understand how close the, the closest star is, let's talk about the, the closest planet. So this is something that's been got a lot of press in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years where we've been able to figure out that there are actually a lot of planets out there, right? Uh, lots and lots of stars have planets that orbit them. Um, And we've been able to find lots of um, planets in what they call, they term the habitable zone, right? So that's a zone where the scientists uh, believe that that it's not too far away um, or too close to the the star around around which that planet orbits, or the Goldilocks zone also. So essentially where it's not too hot or too cold and where there could conceivably be um, uh, liquid water and therefore habitable um there are lots of other things to take into consideration besides you know the what the zone that it's in um the the the, the state of the the st- the star around which they orbit um matters the, the well, lots lots of different things anyway but uh the closest planet to us is actually they've discovered that there are there is at least one and I don't remember from my reading how many but there there is a planet that uh orbits proxima centauri and that one and some degree it looks uh, a little bit promising as far as it's it's in the right zone where the it shouldn't be too hot or too cold uh, but there is some belief that it's it's very close to its um, that planet is very close to its star approximate centauri is a pretty small star um, and so it orbits the star every 11 days um, but because of its proximity to this to its um, star uh, the the orbit um, the the um, radiation might have pulled any atmosphere off, and so there it, there might not be any liquid water. They're not able to tell at this point, as far as um, as far as I know, at least. So um, there obviously there's still a lot of interest in, in that planet, being only 4.2 light years away. And I say oh, 4.2 light years away with a bit of a chuckle, because once again that is. Significantly further than man has ever traveled, and uh, we'll, we'll get to the end uh, of this podcast and talk a little bit about what uh, is conceivable for for interstellar travel in the future. But, um, uh, but yeah, that's uh, the closest planet, and, and there are lots and lots. I said there are thousands and thousands of planets that have been discovered now, um, and and that's that is groundbreaking for astronomy. Uh, you know, so as of uh, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, you know, th- th- these things were conjectured but not necessarily discovered and with the uh, accuracy of our our instruments now and the uh, um, technological advancements we're able to confirm that these things exist based on uh, all these things we get from measurements of light right and and then based on a spectrometer we're able to figure out um, you know, wa- uh, the the wobble of a star. So essentially, when it, when a star wobbles a little bit, there's a gravi- gravitational pull from something, and uh, and so we can figure out. Okay, there's this planet, and they and uh, we being <laughs> here, I am classifying myself as uh, an astronomer. Uh, I did uh, have some interest in college about uh, in becoming an astronomy major. I picked up the uh, the sheet that told me what uh, I needed to um, to study and. Uh, saw lots and lots of calculus and I put that sheet back down and walked away Uh, so I don't think I can classify myself that way but anyway the astronomers have been able to figure these things out and uh, I said it's been it's been great to to be able to figure out what uh, what is out there Um, now let's talk a little bit about from we've gone star and and planet closest star and closest planet the closest galaxy um, to our Milky Way galaxy is the Canis major dwarf galaxy so not um uh, not a large galaxy, uh, as, as far as galaxies go, but um, but that, uh, once again, now we're talking intergalactic travel, um, that uh, galaxy is 25,000 light years away. <laughs> so, um, and that's the closest galaxy. Um, so once again, the, the vastness of the universe is not to be understated, it's mind-blowing, um, and the distance is even around... Uh, our solar system to the next star and then from uh, stars in the same galaxy uh, and then um, from our galaxy to the next galaxy I mean these stars are these distances are 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 just crazy like I said and and just so you once again you understand that the size of the the galaxy the distance across the diameter of the the Milky Way galaxy is about a hundred thousand light years like I said so Our galaxy is pretty large, at least it sounds like it. Um, However, the Andromeda galaxy is is more than twice our size. So we're 100,000 light years across, there's 220 light years across. Um, And our galaxy has, I got this number and and it blows my mind that that it's this divergent, but between 100 and 400 billion stars in our galaxy. You'd think they'd be able to narrow it down a little bit more than that, but um, anyway, the, This, this once again the sizes in here involved are, are crazy uh in the observable universe the uh, the uh estimates are about two trillion galaxies um once again just the vastness of space so let, let's as we're wrapping up this podcast and yeah it was going to be a short one obviously with just me you're uh, gonna not uh, have to deal with some of the uh, inane comments but um the uh, the Let's talk a little bit about interstellar travel, um, so seen lots of movies about it lots of um, sci-fi, sci-fi uh, out there that talks about um, you know warp drives and wormholes and things like that uh, a lot of news recently about warp drives as there is now a warp drive that is uh, doable according to the laws of physics right uh, and that is awesome amazing news. Uh, if you've read any of those articles besides the headlines, you've realized that while well, it is now, according to the laws of physics, something that could be achievable, it's not something that is achievable, uh, at least not with the science that we have right now. Essentially, there needs to be either a lot of negative energy, which is something that we can't do, or a, um, a massive amount of gravitational force uh, around a spacecraft which once again we can't do so uh, while it is physically possible meaning uh, doable according to the laws of physics it is however not doable practically in any in any way uh, at this moment and we have no reason to believe it's going to be doable in, in the near future um, but it is a breakthrough so let's applaud uh, it to those uh, scientists um, but once again warp drive would take us uh, that distance the other option for interstellar travel which obviously i'm sure you've seen besides a warp drive would be a wormhole uh wormholes are entirely theoretical at this point theoretically possible according to einsteinian rules of physics uh, no, I never observed though so uh, they could exist out there there'd be connections between black holes is what i understand um However, once again, never observed, and even if they had been observed, uh, it's possible that we could never travel through them or never use them. So, um, I mean, there's discussions of uh, how they would use an extra dimension. To, uh, it's, like I said, it's it's beyond the 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 scope of of uh, basics in astronomy to discuss how wormholes might work, and given that they're theoretical. Um, any of the movies you've seen about them are also entirely ideas that don't have any bad grounding in in reality so so then we're left with just traveling as fast as we can right Um, uh, and that increases as as science advances uh, the speed that which we can send ships out and and um, the speed that they can uh, reach um, we're getting better at that Um, however we're still dealing with these massive distances um and the the furthest object we've ever sent is just in uh just outside of the solar system it's one of those one of the voyager uh crafts which we sent what like 60 years ago now so um and that's just outside of our solar system at this point now we can send things faster uh however once again the the interstellar travel is is fraught with lots of different uh Variables, lots of different uh, issues, and one of the, the big ones is that uh, we're talking about travel on a scale that <clears throat> puts <clears throat> mortality in, into play, right? That we don't are the lifespan of a human uh, might not be su- sufficient to actually even get there, uh, even at the speed, the, the fastest speed we can send um, a, sh- a a ship. Um, not using a warp drive, um, it's possible that the uh, uh, astronaut would, wouldn't make it there alive. Uh, so they have to have children on the way, and, and anyway, there's a lot of things that would be difficult, um, challenging. That now there's lots of advancements in in, in technology, uh, maybe sort of a light sail, um, that's essentially ha- harnessing the speed of light in order to ex- to accelerate a, a, an object in space, Um once again these things have uh, grounding in physics however not a lot of practical usage usage as of yet Um, lots of advancements in that way but um, if we're talking about the reality of interstellar travel my uh, layman guess here would be that um, we're not going to see true interstellar travel in the next hundred years maybe uh, maybe after that um you know as as we make these advancements in in science uh, maybe in the next 200 years we start seeing some and 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 then and then whether or not we can go any be anything beyond you know the closest stars to us depends on the the actual feasibility of creating a warp drive and and those types of things because you know even even at the with lots of scientific advancement and speed and things like that, the distances, like I said, across the, the vastness of space here become just truly intractable as far as travel goes, even even at you know large percentages of the speed of light. Um, and so, uh, interstellar travel is is either needed a moving colony, which and there have been uh, in space, and there have been movies about that as well, but um, in order to send a spaceship out get there and if not colonized be able to come back within a lifetime you know even at large percentages of the speed of light that's almost inconceivable for anything beyond the closest stars so um so a lot of challenges with um travel but uh, a lot of these things are they the forefront of physics um, and if nothing else, they do push our our understanding of the, of the universe and our world and and our solar system to uh, n- new depths. Um, so I uh, I encourage you to read more, read up on spectroscopy. You know, essentially, being able to figure out uh, um, via light what's, uh, what what astronomers astronomers can can figure out um, and what uh, what, even the a layman astronomer is able to help and uh, turns out that you know the, the layman astronomers uh, out, are doing doing work out there that that uh, that needs to be crowdsourced and so that's something that everyone can contribute to so if you have an a uh, just a, a pretty basic telescope and, and you want to find some some work that might need to be done um, you know get on uh, come online and, and and find some uh, some interesting things that uh, that you can look at and and uh, um, contribute to the field. But uh, as far as basic astronomy goes, I think that'll take us to the to the end. Um, there's like I said, there's a lot more that we could uh, cover. Uh, but this I should give you some some perspective about where we are in the universe, where we are in our galaxy, and. Uh, uh, a little bit about our solar system. So, I uh, hope you enjoy this podcast, and please join us—probably uh, us, meeting me and my co-host back again for the next episode.